Welcome back to the Mediocre Movie Club podcast. I'm John Kissel. With me tonight is J.R. Peters. Yo, what's up? And Pierce Bauer. What's up? We're taking a break from our usual schedule of uh, selecting movies more or less based around a theme and then getting together to discuss said three movies uh, once a month. And uh, today we're discussing something we've been, you know, anticipating for uh, several months. At least I have. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how I how my co-podcast mates feel about the Sight and Sound podcast. If they've been rubbing their grubby little hands together like I have for the last three or four years, just so anxious to see what would come up on the list. The British Film Institute runs a magazine, Sight and Sound, and every 10 years they poll a shit ton of critics. Uh, 2012, it was more or less uh, five, five to 600, and uh, in 2022, it was about 1,600 critics. And they figure out what the best movies of all time are per this uh, huge sample size of critics. They also do a director's list, though that makes a little less noise than the critics list tends to do. The directors have their own list and critics have their own list. We're going to talk about the, some of the differences between those two lists, uh, but it's usually 250 movies this year. They've only released 100 so far. I don't really know why that happened. I feel like in 2012 they released all 250. It's really kind of bothering me. In a, in a very nerdy uh, OCD kind of way. I want to see the full 250. All the data exists. Like, well, all they do is they just send ballots to whoever they've selected, critics and directors both. And like, what are your top 10 movies? They send them back, great. Then they compile them. You get the most mentions, you're number one. Second most mentions, number two, et cetera, et cetera. So again, it shouldn't be that difficult for them to just release the top thousand movies. They've been stuck on 250 for, for forever. They've been doing this since 1952. And and it was released a few weeks ago, and I'm super excited to talk about it with uh, with Pierce and Jr. Uh, first thing, like uh, when you when you hear something, hear about something like this, you know we're all young to middle aged men who are interested in film and culture. You like lists, probably. So, like for my money, this is like the list of lists, uh, and I can get a little deeper into that. But uh, Pierce. Uh, first time paying attention to the sight and sound list, or has this been on your radar before? Uh, what do you think about it? Et cetera, et cetera. Um, so this, I guess this is the first time where I've ever been like actively engaged in like the release of the list. I think I, I mean, I don't remember it. I guess the last one would have been 2012. Like, I don't remember it being this big a deal. I would have been, you know, 15 or 16, I guess. And so, you know, I, this go around, like, I think it's, I think it's an interesting exercise. Like, I'm, I'm intrigued by the process. I, I think the result is, like, ultimately pretty uninteresting. Kind of what you said, like, it really is like a list of, of lists. And therefore, it's like this, it's like it's done, it's the, it's the whole, like, a horse made by committee is a camel. Like, mm -hmm. I think this is maybe one of the, like, this is just a pure example of that, where, you know, in, in this kind of backwards way, just the way they do it, it almost makes the end result a little meaningless. You know, I, there's no real consensus of, like, what this list, like, should be, from my understanding. Like, I don't think, unless, the, you know, maybe if someone who actually, like, filled out the list corrects this. But, like, from what I've read, it doesn't seem like there's a clear criteria that they're given as far as, far as like, what ten what they should be looking for in their, in their ten films. And so, not like... A, yeah, not at all. Right. And so I think because of that, like, again, I find the exercise interesting. And I and I definitely think the 
individual directors lists of 10 like I'm, I'm intrigued by that certainly like i but that's more of like uh i don't know like that's more like i like to see what influence or what um you know what they hold in like a high esteem like that's interesting but but like i i certainly am not super concerned with like the fact that vertigo vertigo is now number two like that that means nothing to me really um mm-hmm. I do think like, and we can, you know, we'll talk about this more, I'm sure. But like, what, what do we deem the canon is like an interesting conversation. Like why, why sight and sound? Why this method again, like a method kind of void of any methodology, it seems. So it's like that I'm interested in, you know, the, the process is interesting. The, the results, you know, if you really wanted me to like, say like, do I think these are a hundred good films? Like, yeah, of course, you know, there are these, the exact perfect order of these 100 films like no absolutely not and and no one will ever be able to kind of agree on that so i i i'm i'm somewhere in the middle of i'm not outraged by it by any means uh, but i am i guess i'm intrigued yeah you're a you teach english and literature mm-hmm. and i think i think i've talked to you about the canon before which is, mm-hmm. is like very much a hot topic i feel like in in liberal arts uh universities these days and this is definitely more demo- or democratic than a bunch of professors deciding that everybody has to read whatever, I don't know, some book in the canon. I think with this list and with, like, the intention behind it, it's like, there's almost, like, something I was thinking about is, like, there's just a difference between, like, canonization, like, coming together and saying, here's what we think are the 100 movies everyone should watch to understand filmmaking or whatever right versus like curation which i think this list is much more of like people saying like well here's my personal interest and what i think should be included and then like an actual ranking which is to say like again like do we really think that like i don't know looking at the list here like is moonlight really the 60th greatest movie ever like that's like that's a whole those are three totally different things and i don't know if this list really accomplishes any of them yeah jr uh interest in in uh the sight and sound list familiarity with it what do you think about this whole process uh not super familiar with it um like more like uh pierce in 2012 the last one i was when they released it if it got released at the same time i was getting blackout drunk in like europe i was you know i'm a, i was studying abroad at harlickson or whatever so like not hitting my radar you yeah, know, not thinking a, about Fritz Lang and yeah. uh, college alcoholic at the moment. <laughs> so, but I have seen it since then as I've gotten more into watching movies and like looking at critics' lists of movies and being like, and watching those because, you know, I guess just over the course of my movie watching, I've been more interested in what people that are getting paid to talk about movies are interested in. Mm -hmm. Like, why are they interested in these movies they're always talking about? So uh, just through that, you know, you get to the BFI sight and sound and whatever. Mm -hmm. So never really, like, checked it off. But this year, I actually made the list on the, on you know, the two apps I use to track my stuff. And uh, I'll probably go through it and watch some of the stuff. But like Pierce was saying, so what? What? Who is it? Sign Sound. Their Twitter mm-hmm. account has been just slowly releasing the ten from a lot of 
famous directors as they go. And mm -hmm. just the cool thing of that is the directors will like include the movie and they'll say why they included it. And a lot of it is, I'm a director. This is a great fucking movie. I, you know, I'm ripping off a lot of shit from these movies. But some of them, like one guy was just like, he like voted for RRR and was like, this is like the best action movie ever. You know, did not even pretentious. He was just like, I had fun, more fun watching this movie than any movie like in the last 30 years or whatever. And it was on his top 10 list. So like, like Pierce was saying, it's just like, if you don't give real criteria, it's just a list of shit, a list yep. of lists. Like you were saying, Moonlight being 60 or whatever. And then like Daughters of the Dust being 61. <laughs> yeah, real neck and neck. Yeah, uh, you know, not the right, you know. It's there, yeah. Yeah, or as you have on the list, like the searchers being like the 15th, like 15, like you're telling me the searchers is the best Western movie ever made, whatever. Anyway, yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it is a curated list. It's like these are movies you should watch, is what it is now. Yeah, I, I was uh, paying attention to film culture in 2012. I do remember it being, um, you know, like the subject of, I don't know, the week, the week, the month, some period of time. Um, Citizen Kane had been the number one for um, every decade except the first one when it was Bicycle Thieves, uh, a movie that came out four years prior to the release mm -hmm. of that first list. So, I mean, we'll talk about some movies that like from the last decade they made it on the list and how upset that makes some people. Um, and a lot of this is going to be filtered through film Twitter. Like this is where I'm getting a lot of the reactions to it. So, you know, bear that in mind. Uh, but Vertigo, I'm curious, do you think it's being discussed anywhere besides film Twitter? Like it's like, that's kind of the only place you could really go for this, for these discussions, you know, the I think letter, the letterboxed comments section for the official BFI <laughs> list is entirely a shit show because they've added these movies from the last 15 years. I'm sure it'll come up on all like on the various film podcasts to listen to as well. But yeah, I mean, it, it is, it is a highbrow insular community kind of thing. Mm -hmm. definitely. And uh, the exception to that are people who have no interest in any of those things and are like, who the fuck is John Dealman? I've never heard of this person in my entire life. How well it's here or there. Uh, in 2012, Vertigo supplanted Citizen Kane. So that was like the big talking or the big talking point that everybody had to address. Uh, de definitely a more, I, I guess I would say, seismic upset supplanting whatever uh, this year. We'll, we'll come back to that shortly. Um, so it does generate, it does generate, uh, conversation and debate amongst people that are interested and as far as like what's it for i don't really care about ranking so much as i care about just if something is on the list which is why it bothers me so much mm -hmm. that they didn't release the 250 they just released the 100 i just just more just more <laughs> like i i liked seeing things you know this will i'll see like four more of these in the course of my life maybe uh five more and i i like seeing things start at the bottom, start at like 240, and then kind of just climb up or or go the opposite direction too. Like what people, 
connect with more as time goes by, like There Will Be Blood, for example. Uh, we recently talked that talked about that movie on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Certain, and, and I mean, I, I mentioned it. I'm, I'm sure I mentioned it that it was on the previous 250 list, and is just is nowhere to be found on this list. Uh, dropped off of uh, the director's list. That's just Ooh. one example, and and I find that interesting. I, I want to know why that's happening. Uh, I mean, it's not surprising that like Woody Allen doesn't have a <laughs> doesn't have a movie mm-hmm. inside the list. That doesn't seem surprising to me. On the other hand, Roman Polanski does. So I like seeing the evolution of opinion. I am a person who does make a lot of lists, so I'm not anti-list making. But it's, again, it's just like 100 is an arbitrary number. 250 is an arbitrary number. Like, it's just like, you know, it's, it's at some point, it's just like, why are we, you know, at some point, are we like, we're really saying that, like, I don't know, what's a, like, a, like Jaws is a movie that just like, because it's not in the top 100, isn't worthy of everyone's like love and admiration like that's you know that's that's a dumb way of going about anything i guess but then like i like what you were saying though and i agree with that like i do think what's interesting about this list or the or the the process that's the sight and sound you know this practice is that it's more interesting almost as like a data point you know to track trends right that like Mm -hmm. every decade we we check in to say where where is this movie now in the consciousness at least critically you know this film you know whatever we want to call the like it's critics, directors, whoever else, like that of like tracking trends and drop-offs and, and things like that. Like that's interesting again, like more than like actual, like numerical placements of movies in a list, you know? And again, in an arbitrary grouping, like a hundred doesn't matter. It, you know, the hundred and first movie is still pretty fucking good, you know? So it's like, I agree with you that it's just, it's more interesting just to say like, and I think there will be blood is an interesting one. And we can we'll talk more about just like where we like the movies that don't make it. Finding some trend in that is interesting. And as far as like if we were making our own list, like we could be like the guy that put you know the the best most recent movie that he saw, like the guy you mentioned, Jr. Who I mean, I haven't seen RRR. I've heard nothing but great things about it. But I it would never occur to me to put a movie I saw like a month ago on the list like this and uh like film spotting uh i i've subscribed to film spotting's patreon and they like put it out to patrons and supporters like hey make your own top 10 list and i didn't put a whole lot of thought into it but it was a mix of like some of my favorite movies like the master and some movies that i think are extremely influential which i think is like the key thing like if this if this movie started a trend if it coined some new storytelling technique or filmmaking technique then that's like the a number one criteria so like am i ever going to watch the passion of jonah arc again probably not did i think it was like the one of the, like the first like great cinematic performances in a movie yes i did so i put that on my top 10 but again i'm not going to revisit that movie with the expansion of the voting list especially with the critics like that's been and even someone like paul schrader kind of did this where uh, a lot of that expansion was based on diversity and lo and behold uh jean dealman becomes the number one and he like complained about that uh, oh, and that comes back into, i like, would i would say it goes beyond a complaint <laughs> i think I, I have his post up in front of me and it's it's <laughs> i mean it's more scathing than just a complaint okay yeah fair enough so and, and like that goes back to we mentioned any kind of canon earlier, like who gets to set terms. It's not like the list is 
uh, out of control, like progressive values wise. I mean, it is because critics tend to be progressive, but uh, I, I, I uh, heard some critic say, boy, I wish uh, a previous MMC movie, The Watermelon Woman, had made the list. If that had happened, then I would agree with Paul Schrader a little bit, maybe, because that movie is just top to bottom bad. But it happens to be made by a black lesbian. And I, I just could not see the value in that movie. Couldn't do it. Me being who I am, I, I just I just couldn't stand that movie. But I don't, and I, I, I didn't really get anything. Like, on the, the other side of that coin in that same trio that we talked about is Daughters of the Dust, which is, like, unimpeachably a great movie. So, um, so yeah, I just don't, I just don't detect that kind of, that kind of complaint. And like, what do you guys think is, I don't know, it's such a vague question, but like, what's the value of that kind of, of that kind of thing? And like the directors as well, and this will be the last thing I say about it, like the directors, it's just a, it's a more monochromatic group. So a movie like Raging Bull, which is, uh, you know, what it is, like an extremely uh, male-centric movie about a sadist and a, and a masochist who hates women and, like, all that stuff. I don't necessarily think the movie is misogynist, but, like, I don't necessarily also think it's an accident that it showed up on the director's list and on the critic's list, whereas it had been, like, so high on the list in previous iterations. So, yeah, just, like, the, the diversity... Of 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 it, like that that seems to be the big controversy this year. Like, does that move the needle for either of you guys? No, it didn't. I didn't see any of that, and just that type of thing. When I was looking at it, I didn't. I just would say that I was more in line, I guess maybe, with the director's list because it had a lot of. It was you know like, I guess I just have more in common with a bunch of white dudes, maybe. <laughs> I mean, we can yeah. talk about that, but if you like compared and contrast, like the movies that we, we, we split this out and like, I'm looking at it now, like movies that are only on the critics list and movies that are only on the director's list. I don't know what Viridiana is. That is only on the director's list. No idea. Couldn't, couldn't say word one about that movie, but Jaws and Chinatown are on the director's list. So strange love. Yeah. Like these are more crowd pleaser kind of movies. Like does the, the, you know, to, to pin this on Paul Schrader, I guess, like does the, like he, he described it as like a distorted woke reappraisal. That's like his exact wording, which I think, you know, that's an overstatement. And I feel fine saying that, you know, like I think two things, I think one, it's like tough to, again, for a list that, feature no criteria it's like tough to then like put down any critic or director or whoever that like took in like cultural values into you know their assessment right like yeah. we, right. We, Gates, like she explicitly on her ballot only chose movies directed by women and like nothing stopping her from doing that. yes so that was like my my second thing I was gonna say too is that I just think it's also like you can't really view this list in a vacuum. It is in itself the way people you know fill out their list is commenting on the on the previous canon, right? And so like obviously 
and I think it's clear in the rankings, as you, as you mentioned, that like certain movies are maybe ranked higher or were more mentioned because people wanted to emphasize those within, you know, again, like this isn't just a purely like, you know, uh, frivolous exercise. Like this list presumably is then what people are going to go look at when they educate themselves on you know what movie should i watch right and as a critic or any any person i guess if you're asking yourself like if i could influence the world in telling them what films to watch you know you you have to i guess on some level say that like the cultural message of a film matters right and mm-hmm. the diversity of a film and who's making it and like all that stuff you know like if, if you know if this list is going to influence the next generation of you know people or filmmakers or whoever is it more important that they watch moonlight or is it more important that they watch raging bull and like someone's going to rate those on different criteria one being that the cultural values of the film moonlight maybe outweigh the cultural values of raging bull regardless of the filmmaking right yeah now i don't know where i i, I don't totally agree on either side of those two things necessarily like I, frankly you should just watch both of those movies right but like that I think that is a reasonable, you know, I think anyone who maybe, like, you know, to this extreme example, the person who did 10 female directors, fine, you know, like that, essentially that, you know, again, with no criteria, what else are they, you know, who who cares what they do? Like, that's kind of part of the exercise, I guess, is also just interpreting how people uh, read this, read this exercise, right? Mm -hmm. And like, that's one way to do it. Um, You know, I, I, and again, it's, well, I think the final number of, critics was like over eight thousand. it was so 16, even then it, it's like 1600 16 like it's even then it's a it's a it's like a, a drop in the bucket right it's like you know if one person interprets it such a way like to act as if that really skewed the whole metric is is probably a distortion yeah 1600 seems about the number of total people working who've ever been paid for a movie review like, if you told me the total number of that was 1,200, I'd be like, yeah, okay, that sounds about right. 1,600, okay, the industry's in a better position than I thought it was. <laughs> I feel like in 2032, they'll be lucky to scrape together 1,000. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, they'll ask us because we published a movie review on the internet. Like, that's where that's going. Uh, yeah, and, and, like, to reduce it all to, like, a airline paperback, uh, someone like Paul Schrader is maybe just more interested with like being instructive to the reader of the list, like mm-hmm. writing them a syllabus. Whereas like someone like Mariah Gates is just like, you've probably never heard of this, this great, whatever noir movie from the thirties directed by a woman in the pre Hayes code era. And I think you should watch it. But, and but she's also, also like 50 years younger than he is too. So it's like, so it, it's like, it's curatorial versus like, hey, I I know about cool movies that I think you should watch. Mm-hmm. And like her thing on Twitter is that she just like keeps a running log of all the movies she watches. And and it, it like this is her job, and it's like a, it's like a crazy number. I feel like she gets to five five figures every year of movies she watches. Mm-hmm. Like it's crazy, you know. Like. So, like, I sat down to, like, make a list of 10 movies, like, a week or two ago, or whenever this, you know, when it started. And, like, I thought about, like, this whole question of criteria, and I was asking myself, like, well, what, like, if I was to pick my 10 favorite films, like, I don't, you know, that wouldn't line up really with this, like, with this list very much, right? Like, these, Mm -hmm. I don't think my 10 personal favorites 
maybe like a handful might be in here. And then I was thinking about like the best, just like purely like crafted movies, right? And like that seems to be more, I think, where people lean maybe is like the, you know, like the 2001s and the Vertigos and Citizen Kane's as far as like the actual filmmaking. And, and even that has like a heavier, like even that way outweighs like writing, it usually seems with the list. And then I thought about like, I heard one, I think it was a critic talk about just like the 10 movies that like, just emotionally like were the most resonant with me and i was like well that's a totally different thing you know like i can watch 2001 and be like totally just amazed by the filmmaking and not and maybe it wouldn't crack my top you know 10 emotionally resonant films and oh, like okay. i just who, think who would that movie was like purpose i, I mean like 2001 would i think i put that on my like fake film spotting list but like that movie would mm-hmm. like fully cast to have like dead-eyed actors, like emotionless yeah. actors. You're you're right. not supposed to care about anything in that. Movie. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Right, and so it's like it's just like it's this amalgamation of like, well, what what every person's going to value something different, I guess. You know, I heard like John Carpenter, he put like four uh, Hawks films on his list, and it's like, well, that's not even how you make a list, really, or maybe it is. Like maybe. Like, it's just like if I was making a list, the idea of multiple of the same director or like multiple of the same genre, like, you know, it's like to me, I would try to think of like 10 different films that represent 10 great things about film. You know, it's like there just isn't one way of doing it. And and again, just to, to circle back, I guess, to my first point here was just that, like, this is just a camel, you know, and so it's it's tough to target or single out like any single person who like you know how they view what should be the canon i think it's just like a you know that's a it's just a futile kind of effort to like you know mock those people in some way if you know not that we're doing that but maybe like the pulse raiders of the world who are like crying foul about it like that's kind of ridiculous i guess the more i think about it and like is a 78 year old white dude though he's gonna cry foul with anything <laughs> that's that's true yeah it's it's not the craziest of his facebook posts truly so so like yeah he, he's maybe not like who we should be reading as far as his thoughts on anything really i mean you do i like Paul his list making abilities because like every year if he had if he released a movie that year it's always his favorite movie of or his best movie or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah that is true which is i mean you have to respect that i guess absolutely yeah and like if you have to like move into the next thing, like if you have that comment in front of you, like he even praises Jean Dielman, the new number one movie, right? Like in that comment, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Oh yeah, I don't really know what the complaint is. Uh, Jean Dielman, uh, I don't have the rest of that full title in front of me. I hadn't. Uh, I don't. I haven't seen this movie. I uh, only knew of this movie probably a few years ago. When again, film spotting did, did a segment on it, and had you guys ever heard of this movie before? Before a month ago? No. Come on. I had not. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Jean Dielman, did it, did anybody watch the end of Mrs. Did anybody watch Mrs. America, the Hulu um, miniseries? From, oh. I, think, I did. I did watch that. Okay, so that series ends with the Phyllis Schlafly character played by Kate Blanchett. Uh, like a pretty long scene, two or three minutes of her having, you know, defeated the ERA and become this notorious anti-feminist going down into her uh, basement pantry, whatever, and like slicing carrots. And that two minutes or so stretched out to three hours. 
is what Jean Dielman is, in my understanding. Uh, it is a movie directed by Chantal Ackerman. It is Belgian slash French. And it is about the drudgery of being a housewife. It's like stuff does happen in the movie. She does like makes a drastic choice at a certain point. But it's very much of the genre of slow cinema, which is not something I have really any patience for. Uh, like a movie like Drive My Car, for example, isn't the worst example of that, but it's pretty close. Where just things are things are playing out at maximum uh, verisimilitude. Like if it takes this long to drive from point A to point B, we're going to show you how we're going to show that whole that whole thing. Uh, if it takes this long to uh, panhandle on a sidewalk and wait for someone to put a dollar in your in your cup, we're going to show how long that takes. Like the point is to be bored, and then the movie achieves its objective, and you're bored. I don't. I just don't get the. I don't get this form of like this subgenre. I don't think I've liked a single one of these movies. Um, Pierce, did you watch Memoria when it came through town? I did not. I haven't seen uh, Jean Dillman, and I did not see Memoria. But I'll say, like, I agree with you that, like, I those movies are tough to watch. Movies that are, like, kind of purposely using time as a constraint, right? That, like, the passage mm-hmm. of time is is part of the feeling they're trying to evoke to you, you know? But you, like, to your point earlier, like, you mentioned The Irishman, which is a movie I think that... Like, very effectively uses that right and and so i i think there is something unique to film that like movies kind of are able to do that right that like the idea of sitting in a theater did you i guess you saw tar you know to reference a different one like yeah like tar she talks about how like when she is conducting she controls time right and i think filmmaking is certainly like that's a comment on filmmaking right that like while you are constrained to that theater chair they control how you perceive the events in front of you. And so, like, I get why that's maybe why filmmakers and critics or whoever would would be drawn to that type of movie. Yeah, I, I couldn't really place I couldn't really place Sean Dealman in like. Feminist movies, which I think is like its number one claim to fame, like I, I, I think it's it seems pretty straightforward as far as just like the life of a housewife kind of stuff. Um, is it, would you say, would you say it's the equivalent of that Simpsons scene when they move to, uh, with Hank Scorpio, where they keep showing Marge pour the glass of wine? Yeah, it's in that, it's definitely in that ballpark. (laughs) Yeah. Which, you know, that's high, that's like, that's high praise, you know, that's one of the best episodes. It absolutely is. Yeah. If we were making a sight and sound top 250 Simpsons episodes, it would be in the, it would be in the top 10%, I think easily. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised no one's done that yet. Okay, project for 2023. I, I again, like I, I would need to read more into like why, and I don't really understand why Vertigo either was at the top of the list last year. Um, Citizen Kane makes sense to me. Uh, Vertigo, I don't necessarily see like the genius of it or like the influence of it. Less so with Jean Dielman, but again, I just don't have like the intellectual muscles for for like slow cinema. Um, then there's a lot of, and there's a lot of it on this list. Like, uh, there's this movie, I think Satan Tango is a movie that made both lists. I think that's seven hours long. Um, there's a 
fucking like mini series that's on this. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple movies like Uncle Boon Me, who can recall his past lives, is on here. Uh, and another uh, movie from that director, a Thai director whose name I'm very proud of knowing, a Pichapong Varisikal. I think I got that right. Uh, any Ozu movies? Yasujiro Ozu, like a mid century Japanese director. I think he kind of does this thing, too. I've only seen one of his movies. I haven't seen Tokyo Story, which is always high on these lists. Um, I, ju- I, I think I just... It's all well and good for movies to like be challenging. I like challenging movies. But some part of them does also have to be entertaining. And, man, slow cinema movies are... They're, they're anti-entertainment. Like They are, they are homework. They are your rituals, whatever you want to call them. So, yeah, am I going to be rushing out to watch John Dielman? Probably not. I don't know. Maybe I'll pick it up from Videodrome and break it up over the course of a week before I have to return it. As far as homework is concerned, as far as, like, checking items off a list, and, and JR, are, are you interested at all? At all in, in, I mean, I'm going to watch it. I'm, I'm going to watch it at some point, but who knows if it's one month before BFI 2020 or 2032. I guess- <laughs> <laughs> like I'm gonna watch probably the top twenty five at least, and I've seen a decent amount of these movies. Yeah, that's something top, we haven't talked about yet. Is like the how top many twenty five? Uh, I think I've seen twenty five. Okay, in the, in the site, the regular, and like more in the directors. I have, I'd have to. I think I have like thirty of the directors ones. I'm a little under 40, or a little under 50 for each. Uh, I only did the the critics one, and I, I was, like, right at 40. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of these, a lot of these I have, I, I, I have never heard of, or have only heard of through the sight and sound list. The, I'll say for, for John Dealman, I have not seen it. Um, nothing I've really heard about it really is making me rush to go see it. Um, but again, like back to the back to like what we were kind of discussing earlier is like people are going to watch this movie now. Right. And so like that. Yeah. You know, whoever put this on their list, they, they firmly believe that people should see this movie. And so like the regardless of, I guess, what the intention is, the effect is is there. And, and that's I, I, I would guess maybe not with this. I, I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know. But ultimately, I, I imagine that is a good thing. You know, I think the more differentiation we can get in what people are watching like this like that's probably ultimately good i don't know but um i was gonna say with the with this movie i think the real notable thing is that it it i don't think it was on the last 100 is that right i think it, I was. Quick it, was. Was. it was yeah okay but then but like to jump up to number one was i guess like an insanely drastic thing uh let me find let me find it real quick which yes. one is this? Maybe I'm wrong. But John Dealman. Uh, John Dealman. It went from what to what? It went from 38 to number one on the critics list. See, that's like a that, that that to me is really the more drastic. I guess like again, like if we want to deconstruct the way the rankings, you know, the again like the arbitrariness sure. of like one to 38. It's like, well, how does that happen? You know, what what in the last 10 years have occurred that would that would make us that would make that happen? I guess that's an interesting question that there's no answer to, but. Um, John yeah, Deal or Paul Schrader thinks it's because they let women in. Right. And I guess like <laughs> that's probably it, I, I guess. Yeah. 
yeah, I died I, of all of all of all movies to choose. I mean, like Agnes Varda, who is one of the French New Wave generation, like she was friends with Godard, who was going to come up a little later. Jean-Luc Godard, who like founded the French New Wave. She predates Chantal Ackerman by like 20 years. And she is also well, well represented on the list. I think she's got like two or three in the, in the critics list. Uh, as as far as like John Dealman jumping up rankings though, she was or that movie was not on the director's list in 2012, and and it is now number mm. five. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there wasn't like a, a ridiculous growth in the number of female directors to the point where like if if they were all getting together in a room and like agreeing that okay it's going to be John Dealman that we're going to push up the list and and nothing else. Uh, the, the directors also think it's a great movie, uh, but again, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's an interesting question of like what changed in the la- inter- intervening ten years. Like, it might be it truly might be as simple as like the Criterion Collection picked it up, and they've been airing it on Filmstruck and the Criterion Channel, and it's just been available to people. When when the list first dropped, I, I believe I remember reading something about there's some crazy stat about the number of the number of the movies in the top 100 here that are uh, is it Janus 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 Janice, yeah. Yeah, Janice Films, I think that is, like, one of the few trends that can actually be tracked. And 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 by virtue, then, like, I think Criterion has some deal with Janice Films or so, something like that, right? And it's like that well. probably, that, frankly, is probably more of an indicator of, like, like, distribution and viewability. Like, what was viewable to people these last 10 years? Or even, probably not even the last 10 years, but, like, the last, you know, year or two years. What What's in people's minds currently that's probably the biggest indicator of what makes the list, right? And and so it could be like like the Criterion Channel really dictated taste, you know, or interest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as movies from the last ten years, um, this is always this is always something that like takes a while. Uh, it's very it's rare, like in in my understanding, for a movie release you know between if a movie gets put out between lists no matter how great it is it's almost it's probably not gonna get on initially like time has to go by uh four movies from between 2012 and 22 made the list all of them after 2016 uh portrait of lady on fire moonlight parasite and get out in that order on the critics list um and then as far as the director's list, uh, Portrait of Lady on Fire was not on the director's list, and neither was Get Out, but uh, Moonlight and Parasite both. So, um, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, I think there's a good argument for Get Out because it did kind of found its own subgenre of like the social thriller that Jordan Peele talks about. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of those movies that come out all the time. Uh, Do you, can I ask if uh, maybe this is a tough thing to like think like think of, but like if before the list came out, if I asked you like guess four films from the last ten years that made it, would these be the four you'd think of? For me, I would say probably not. Mm-hmm. I'd probably think of what are the what are the four that were the. New ones, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Moonlight, Parasite, and Get Out. Mm-hmm. I'd probably think of Parasite and Moonlight, obviously, because those both won mm-hmm. best. But I would, I'm not sure 
get out and portrait of a lady on fire like it. And I would be willing to bet that if you push this back six months, the voting that we might end up seeing like everything everywhere all at once on that. That would, that would, that. Yeah. That you lost. That would drive that. uh, I would not like that. (laughs) No, I'm not saying it should be. I fucking love that. That would turn. I don't think so. I think it would be there. I honestly do. Mm -mm. Uh, It's a really good question. Um, I guess, or I guess, another way of thinking of it is like: Is there a movie from the last ten years that you, maybe not that you would put in this list, but like that but you like, would think that smells like a sight and sound movie? Right, because I, I think for me, like all four of those make like once now that I'm looking at it, like all four of those make sense. I guess you know, at least in a vacuum of like just looking at the last ten years. Mm-hmm. I, I think that like Portrait of Lady on the critics list is number thirty, like. That seems incredibly high for a recent yeah. movie, you know. Like again, like it's a fa- it's a flawed <sighs> metric, but like that seems really high. But but even that one like wouldn't come to the top of my head out of the four of those. But you know, seeing it on the list makes sense, I guess, based on the critical reception that it had. You know, it's it's. I guess it's just a matter of like I think like uh, Jr. said that like the Oscars as a kind of parallel you know, to, to this, as far as like what, what we've, like, you know, to overuse this word, like what we canonize, like, then it makes sense. Like Parasite, you know, it seems like, and Moonlight are both not only movies that have also been recognized at such a high level, but that we take pride in their recognition. Right. Like, if that makes sense that like, yeah, film, film culture likes to say like, here's, here's two, we got, we got it right on, you know? And so I think it makes sense that that, that trend has carried over. And and maybe and get out maybe to a certain degree as well. Not not in an Oscar sense, but just in a critical success sense that like this movie that feels particularly resonant to a time and place, we, we all praised it at the right time. And so let's keep praising it. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. It it smacks up against my like gatekeeping instincts of like success in on like a commercial or even an awards platform, like seems counter to could be just because a audiences are generally dumb mm-hmm. and you, that's where you find a lot of like the pushback against these kind of lists is like i've never heard of and like uh the new york times recently put out like their top 10 of 2022 and like pieces of shit have like just taken so much delight in saying this is why movies are dead i've never heard any of these movies as if like the top 10 of the new york times should mm-hmm. it, it correlate with like commercial success it's like a, it's like the critic was hired. The critic knows what he's talking about, presumably. He writes well, et cetera, et cetera. And his job is to watch movies. So, like, these are the best movies he saw that year. And, uh, yeah, I, I just... They're, like, ratifying what I think about audiences as as they're complaining. And, like, mm-hmm. Oscars especially, like, what the fuck did the Oscars ever know? Like, it's just not a, right. necessarily a badge of quality. Uh, for, like, for my personal criteria, like, if... I think it's going to be influential. Get Out probably has the best argument. Uh, Moonlight is my favorite of these four movies, followed by Portrait of Lady on Fire pretty closely. But Moonlight is kind of a ripoff of Wong Kar Wai movies. And I don't say that negatively. I love Wong Wong Kar Wai movies, but it's not necessarily unique other than in the people that it's about. So I have a hard time. Make, that, I might have the hardest time making the argument for that. Well, no, third hardest. 
Parasite. I, 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 Parasite's a great movie. I don't get like the overheated. I still three years later, I don't get like the overheated praise for it. As far as like, I don't, I don't think it's that director's best movie. I don't think it's like the best South Korean movie of like recent history. Um, I, I yeah, I just, I just don't really get it with Parasite. <laughs> if mm-hmm. I pull one of those four out, like it would be that one. Yeah. That, I mean, I, I, again, it's all it's all fair. I think it, it, the, like, like, I think you could look at any one of the, these movies and say, again, you put it up against other classic films, and it's just all these other movies have the test of time, you know, kind of like ace in the hole against anything that came out, you know, within within a year, you know, like you know that that is, I get I, it's almost like part of the criteria should just be that like it's not including films from a certain date range you know because mm-hmm. it's just like how do you how do you evaluate that up against how, how do you measure like portrait of a lady on fires like residence as a film up against like the godfather part two you know like it's just like which is not on the critics list yeah right which is why i mentioned it right it's like it's like that you can't it's just i don't know and maybe in 10 years i'll be wrong and maybe maybe we'll all talk about portrait of a lady on fire the way we talk about Godfather Part Two. I don't know, but my my gut says no. I mean, almost certainly not, just because because of that like critical of that or because of that commercial impact. Like it, it just audiences are are so different. Like and and Portrait of a Lady on Fire again, fantastic, like impeccable movie. Mm-hmm. But it's yes, just, I, and I should say I also liked it. I liked that movie. fact of it being just so recent. Mm-hmm. Is 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 just strange. Like I, yeah. Like uh, this is. I wouldn't say this is like a point in Paul Schrader's favor necessarily, but <laughs> it's, it is interesting. I think that it's these four movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like Fury Road, just for like pure spectacle and audacity, had a, had a had a reasonable chance. That's the one I was thinking of. Was like, and again, because of what you just said, of like. And again, the way the way I think people think about this list is a little more craft forward, you know. Like, mm-hmm. if there's a movie from the last ten years that that best exemplifies like craft, it's probably that. So that that was the one I was thinking of too. Choices that you're pleased with on the list, like uh, great, this stuff, you, you guys nailed it. Uh, Goodfellas mm-hmm. being like the Scorsese is well represented in in both in both critics and directors list. Taxi Driver at number 29, and then Goodfellas further down. That's great. I think that's great. I love that. Of all, like, of all of Scorsese's movies, um, for, like, its reputation, Goodfellas' reputation to be, like, rising, and Raging Bulls to be falling, that's fine. I don't have any problem with that. Uh, Brian Hartman, uh, also in the club, was talking about, he, he just watched Raging Bull, and I was like, you know, uh, I get its impact as far as like um, as far as De Niro's performance and an actor like abusing himself to to inhabit a role, but it wouldn't even make like my top ten Scorsese movies. Uh, in the mood for love and Mulholland Drive in the top ten. Uh, those are also recent movies from like the early thousands. I have no qual- I have no problems with either. Like that sounds fine. That sounds pretty mm-hmm. fine to me. I love Wong Kar Wai. I'm I'm happy to see him represented multiple times and and same with david lynch and i think both of those movies now you know both of them are like 20 years old now but Mm -hmm. as far as like 
comparing that at least to the movies that made it from the last 10 years, those are two examples of movies that I feel are just like timeless, you know, like, especially in the mood for love, like you could really tell me that movie was made in multiple different decades and I believe any of them, you know, and I think those are just both movies that work untethered to the cultural moment when they were released, which is not something you could maybe say about your 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 moonlights and your parasites and whatever else right so like it is interesting to me that those you know being somewhat recent films are able to or you know they they stand on this list more prominently i think for that reason yeah yeah david lynch has has uh blue velvet is on both lists mm-hmm. and uh what's the other and, and uh eraser head is on the director's list. Although I've never seen Eraser, and I've had a lot of opportunities to in theaters, and I just haven't haven't got around to it. Um, to Miyazaki is also on the critics' list. None on the director's list. I don't think there's any animation on the director's list. Uh, but like one on top of the other, my uh, my neighbor Totoro, and then Spirited Away at um, I don't know, like seventy nine and eighty, give or take. I, I, that that's also great, fantastic, good choices, good choices, critics. When I put together my ten. Spirit Away made my 10 list because I, I think that movie works on every level. So yeah. I, 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 I double that one. Yeah, defensible. If I was going to make a list of 10 movies to watch, I think I'm not sure Spirited Away would be on mine. It'd probably be right outside, but like do the right thing in 2001 and mm-hmm. death for sure in the mood for love. Those are top movies for me all time. 2001 A Space Odyssey, I think, is the best movie ever made. It's my number one. And then, you know, In the Mood for Love, probably, too. Um, and then, you know, going over to the critics, the director's list, they they have uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yeah. Mm. That is a movie. Get in I there. Would, yeah, I would never tell you, like, this is the best movie ever. But if you were like, give me a list of 10 movies that I have to watch. That would be on my list. It's a good one. That's also that's a movie where like the when watching it and moments after watching it, I fully am like this is the best movie ever. You know, like it right. it, it it is very like gut punch effective. You know. Yeah, you're like, holy shit. You know, you might it might end, and then you just mm-hmm. are sitting on the couch for another five minutes. Yeah, Charlie Kaufman movie. These kind of like movies that smell like the sight and sound list. Uh, he just needs like someone looking over his shoulder and making sure things don't, you know, spin out of control. And like, yeah, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, yeah, is probably the best of those, the best of those of those movies. A very surprising one that wasn't on there. I was fully expecting like Lawrence of Arabia to be like top fifty on the critics list. Yeah, definitely. That that is that is surprising. I've never. It wasn't on it at all. Yeah, like it's, I, it's the I bottom was just scrolling part. through and was like. Okay, where where are we hitting? Mm-hmm. Uh, 69. 69 on the director's list. But yeah, not on the critics' list. And, but then, like, Casablanca is on the... Like, these, like, uh, these AFI-type movies, like, a- AFI mm-hmm. and are very different lists. Uh, AFI, like, the AFI list has Forrest Gump on it. Enough said. <laughs> and, uh, but, like, those kind of American classics... They they just don't tend to show up on on these kind of lists. Not that Lawrence of Arabia is an American movie, but you know, right? It's uh, that that was a big one for me. Not that I would put it there necessarily, but that it's like 
if you had to if I had to guess these hundred movies, that would have been a, a surefire guess. Yeah. Godfather Part Two, as I mentioned before. And then the one I, I, I heard some critics mention this in other places, but like Pulp Fiction to me seems like the the like not no brainer, but like the again, like if you asked if you asked me to bet, it just felt like a surefire bet. Not not necessarily that like it is one of the hundred best movies, but just that that is what critics would say is as far as influencing craft and writing at the last, you know, however long it's been now, 20, 28 years since that movie came out, whatever, like mm-hmm. that movie undeniably has, it was influential. And I think it's, it's bizarre that it's not necessarily on this list, at least the critics one. It was not on the, it's not on the director's list either. Uh, it right. was, it wasn't on the, it's never been on the director's list. It was number 133 in the 2012 uh, critics list. And and yeah, as you say, it's not on it. And again, like if the criteria is influential movies, and I'm not saying it is, but it's mm-hmm. it was like, yeah, it's one of the most influential movies of the last of the last 30 years. Yeah. And in general, it seems like 90s, like the 90s are not necessarily represented in this list. And then especially like the kind of American indie cinema is especially not, you know, and it yeah. seems like that that would be the movie that would represent that, you know, time period. And again, if you're making if there's a gatekeeping or curation to this list from an editor, you you would include a movie from what was like in the last however many years, like the one of the big film movements in America, and therefore it would be Pulp Fiction. But like again, that's a symptom, or maybe not even a symptom in a bad way, but that's just like the way that this process went. That's that's how a movie like that doesn't make it on the list, you know. Yeah, that's that's and that's a good observation. Like there really is like that. I, I like thinking about like what movies get released as far as trends and like the seventies, the creators mm-hmm. grab a hold of it, and then in the eighties, uh, the studios take power back, and then there's a little bit of uh, reversal again in the in the nineties with people like Tarantino and Soderbergh and Linklater. And uh, somewhat, somewhat PTA comes in a little later, and like all of those guys that I just mentioned uh, are not represented at all. Which right. is the closest. The closest we get is 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 Spike Lee with with do the right thing, but even that kind of predates. Yeah, most of he's that, not you know? affiliated with them necessarily for you know for whatever for all kinds of reasons I'm sure, but like yeah, yeah. He, he he starts earlier than all of them, and mm-hmm. is just like, coming into his greatest critical success around the time that they're getting started uh but yeah he he would be the only one like in that time frame and like yeah that is interesting and i'd be curious to know what's going on there there's four kubrick movies 2001 and barry Lyndon show up on both lists and the critics have the shining and the directors have dr strangelove uh barry Lyndon is the only one of those uh, only one of his movies i've never seen not counting like early stuff, like the pre Paz of Glory stuff. Uh, I own Barry Lyndon. I'm looking That's at good. it now. Beautiful. Yeah, I should watch pretty, that. Pretty good movie for me. I think my like gut instinct of like the your like Chunky Express like notion and, and the the Kubrick stuff is what you said, which is that like at some point it, the you know the list making nature probably does favor the like either filmmakers with like one great film or one, you know, stand out front runner of, of a film in their filmography versus like 
Chunking Express, I don't think anyone would ever put as their one Wong Kar Wai film. Like, that's in the mood for love. And therefore, it just doesn't make as many lists. Diversity of, of picks. Like, you just don't want the same director multiple times. And so yeah. people don't put it. But it's, you know, I love that. That that movie, too, talking about the 90s kind of indie, indie cinema movement, that's probably the... That and, and like we said, the right thing on the on the critics list is like maybe the only representation, and really that's not even an American film. So it doesn't. It, it's certainly influenced by those American films, but not wouldn't count necessarily. But I and love that movie. If you haven't if you haven't seen it, that, I love that movie so much. Yeah, definitely his breakthrough for American audiences. And like to mm-hmm. just jump back on Kubrick real quick. Like yeah. I think it makes sense that The Shining would be the third Kubrick on the critics list, just because there's more to write about. In the Shining, mm-hmm. then it's like Doctor Strange Love. <laughs> like that makes it, sense. you can make a movie easy to write about for a critic, or just have a lot of different ways into it. Like, that probably just like edges it up in 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 estimation of it. As far as like other stuff that is um, off of uh, off of the list, like we mentioned Godfather Part Two, like that's ridiculous, uh, not being on the critics list. Uh, well, you know the Godfather. The not to, I won't harp on this too long, but it, it, what's really is silly about that is that Godfather made it to 12. So it's like, it's not like Godfather was like on its way. It's like, it's not like it's low on the list by any means. And it's just hard to believe that you like, you know, if you, if enough people said that Godfather was one of the 10 most important films ever made, that you would not think that of part two, but whatever, you know? Yeah. And I mean, it's evidence also, it's a, a tiny little bit of evidence that like, uh, the these lists aren't just, like snooty foreign fare like the godfather is like a pulpy melodrama at it like there's there's deleted scenes about you know sonny finally finding a woman who's got a vagina big enough for his massive dick yeah so uh, they're not above the pulpy stuff but yeah uh, like godfather we talk about cool opinions on on this podcast every so like the cool opinion is that godfather 2 is the better movie so yeah if, if i had to have one of them on there like i that's what i would pick i like part two better uh mm-hmm. nashville is a personal favorite of mine not on either of these lists it fell off pretty precipitously mm-hmm. no no altman no altman at all I, and altman yeah. is one of my like five ten favorite directors yeah uh, i put i put nashville on my my list of ten and you know i again i i think he and we can segue this into I'm, i know you're dying to talk about uh, paul thomas anderson i think both of them uh suffer from the they don't have one, I guess Nashville would be Altman's, but like they don't really have one clear standout masterpiece film that everyone would point to. And so because of that, you know, I, I think they suffer sometimes in this, they they would suffer in this voting process. Yeah. And they're Altman, especially, well, PTA as well, who, you know, modeled a lot of his career after Altman and then mm-hmm. worked with him um, on several occasions. Uh, they're just so varied. Like, yes. Again, Wong Kar Wai, great. All of his movies, you can tell a Wong Kar Wai movie uh, by looking at it. He has he has a shared look, and it's often about like uh, jilted romance, couplings that don't work out, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Altman made like McCabe and Mrs. Miller and and Mash within like two years of each other. Like, yeah, <laughs> they're very those are very different movies. Like he has his own style too, but. Uh, just as far as what he like chose to make movies about, like he, it, it's just all over the place. And like PTA, uh, like when we did our movie rankings, uh, our director rankings for for PTA, like Boogie Nights was at the top of your list. But like, if if it was like a small committee of people, 
and you were like, well, we can put Goodfellas or Boogie Nights on this list. And we're obviously going to put Goodfellas on it, so mm-hmm. why would we put Boogie Nights on it? Like, PTA, favorite working director, but uh, Boogie, Boogie Nights is Goodfellas, and Magnolia is Nashville, and uh, There Will Be Blood is kind of 2001. And, like, this is kind of why my favorite movie of his is The Master, because it's, like, the only one that, like, really sits outside of... Like, you can't pin The Master on any other director. Like, he's not imitating anybody, which is also why I kind of think Tarantino gets a short shrift as well, because his mm-hmm. his thing is he's, like, pulling from other from other directors, from stuff that he likes. It's just the stuff that he likes is stuff that no one's ever seen before. Yeah, I agree with that. I think for Paul Thomas Anderson, I would, if, you know, like, my gut, like, biggest omission off this list would be, like, a Pulp Fiction, Godfather Part Two, like, you know, those things. I think Paul Thomas Anderson is, like, the one that I think deserves to be on here most. I, You know, and I, I would go with There Will Be Blood. I know what you were just saying. I, I Like, I get what you're saying. I think that one does stand out the most if you had to pick, like, a... Not, like, again, like, best film is such a subjective sure. term, yeah. but, like, that's the one that you would think, right? And, like, I and I think it would fit on this list. Like, it, it, I don't think anyone would really bat an eye if that was in the critics or the directors, like, 100. But, yeah. um, but again, like, to your point, it's just... It, I, one, I think it's a matter of timing in that, like, the re- more recent movies that I don't think are as good got the more recent, like, uh, recency bias... And then I think the older movies get the, like, uh, we did it first kind of bump. And then, mm-hmm. like, that kind of sits somewhere in the middle, you know? So it's not necessarily influential yet. And it's also not necessarily recent. But it's that's the movie, I think, as far as quality of, like, the actual film goes. Like, you know, I would rank that above many of these 100 movies. And and just, again, to talk about, like, contemporary directors. Like, no Coens, no Fincher. Mm-hmm. Finch, like, it's, it's impossible to imagine, like, a Fincher movie making it on these lists really uh i don't know what it would be he just i don't know i, I don't i don't know he he just doesn't seem he makes like he makes these a plus movies but uh that are well remembered that make money but he just of any of those kind of directors from like the last 20 30 35 years uh he seems the furthest away from i think there's a world where like I think if if there was the similar kind of expansion of the of the voting pool or you know voting whatever uh, in the 2012 list, that like if Social Network, you know, as far as a zeitgeisty kind of movie goes, like that would that could have you know made sense, I guess, in a way, the same way that like Parasite and and Moonlight and those and Get Out, but I you know again i i would be curious it feels like those movies like a, like a there will be blood or a social network or whatever else like the 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 you know 100 to 250 range i would be curious to see if they if they make it into that you know or are those movies getting more cultural traction than like your out like your lawrence of arabia's or is it still the you know the next 100 movies are just a, a hundred more of of Hitchcock and Kubrick and and Buster Keaton like are th- is that what's filling up the rest of this list or is it are there more recent cultural impactful films that were just not maybe not necessarily the, in the top 100 yeah and again this is why it's bothering me so much that they haven't released <laughs> 250 and again I don't know that they are I cannot find anything about what the, what their plans are right I thought they're going to release it pretty shortly after they haven't Ugh, whatever it's just going to be a wrinkle in my brain that bothers me uh, the last movie 
to bring um, with the last movie that I want to bring up as far as like movies that are missing from the critics list is Come and See. I think Come and See is the best war movie ever made and therefore must be one of the best movies ever made. It is on the director's list as uh, as it must be because it's uh, incredible. But I don't know what the critics are talking about. Like <laughs> every time we talk about a war movie, like one of my favorite quotes from any director is like Francois Truffaut saying it's impossible to make an anti-war movie. And and mm-hmm. the only one, the only one where that is not the case is come and see. And because it's that because it is such an outlier, it's it just got it. Ha- it it's got to be on there. That was also on my film spotting top ten, uh, my fake film spotting top ten. And uh, yeah, I don't know if you guys have seen that movie. I mean, I don't really recommend it. It's fucking rough shit, but uh, an absolute all timer as far as as far as like what movies are for. Listen, I think if you're gonna put some mo- some other omissions, you gotta mention Paddington too. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Parasite out. Paddington two in. That sounds. <laughs> No, just I I am surprised. Well, I guess that's probably it's probably in the one hundred to one hundred and fifty. I would have thought that like a Pixar movie possibly would have been in like towards uh, the bottom. Wally was on. Yes, Wally was two hundred and eight on the last list. Okay. Yeah. See. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been surprised if, like, everybody thought that, you know, fucking Ratatouille. Like, Ratatouille was, like, where Get Out was or whatever. Sure. But, like, if you, if they released the 250, if you tell me Ratatouille or another Pixar movie is somewhere between, before 150, I'd be like, yeah. I, I can totally see that. Because it's now, we're, what, 30 years out from the first Pixar movie? and Yeah. You know. People are going to be looking that back at those and, you know, talking about how, you know, that's the first animated movie they saw that, like, that type of animation with whatever, you know. And so, as far as, like, changing the way stuff was done. Mm-hmm. So, I could I could see that, but. I feel like yeah. Inside Out in that same, in that same vein would have a good, like, uh, like, truly, like, a good, like, a reasonable shot. At, at that, mm. like, that's like the best regarded of of recent Pixar, like decade, like the last decade or so of Pixar. Um, as far as like shrugs, we mentioned the Searchers. Uh, I just don't, I just don't like the Searchers. I think it's, I, I, I just don't like it. <laughs> like not only is it outdated as shit, and like very much of its time, which you know isn't the worst thing in the world, but great final closing shot, no question. But, uh, you know, this is always a thing with, like, supposed classic movies. Like, if you've seen that kind of cinematography, cinematography before with, like, vast landscapes. And they went to some national park with, uh, with all the arches or whatever to, to film it. Uh, people have been doing that forever. And, like, okay, maybe that justifies the searcher's place on the list as far as, like, figuring like out how to... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really... Put it on the list, yeah. That's... But yeah, as like of of the forty six, forty seven movies I've seen on the critics list and and like the director's list because it is on both, uh, m- maybe my least favorite. 
Yeah, you yeah, also can't tell me that's the best Western. Sure, yeah. Like, and they they got Once Upon a Time in the West on both lists. Uh, Once Upon a Time in the West is like tied for ninety fifth. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean, it's like yeah. that. You got the Searchers at fifteen, and Once Upon a Time in the West at ninety fifth. That's that's crazy. And like, I fucking love True Grit, the new one, the Coen Brothers. Movie. Sure, yeah, yeah. Way better than the Searchers, but like you said, <laughs> it gets the gets this old movie thing going where it was the first one to do whatever. Yeah, I'm surprised. I, I am surprised that that one stuck around. And that like it is falling, but not but not by much. Uh, Blade Runner kind of also gets a shrug from me. Like what version we're talking about? If it's the version with all the narration, which it kind of should be, because that was the one that was released in theaters. Like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> that to me, I on my on my ten, I put Alien. Which I think is a better movie, but I also, I think, well, yeah, I think it's a better movie, and I think it's like, if we're gonna talk about sci-fi, like if there's a movie that kind of singularly pushed forward that genre and is a better movie, I, I would pick Alien. You know, like again, it's like that's like a pick of like, if you're curating this list, you would be more, you would think more about omissions of like, you know, like again, like a big one that I heard. That wouldn't necessarily make my list exactly, but like if you're talking about like horror films, right? Which there's not really a straight up horror film, I guess, on the list. Maybe, maybe there are, maybe, maybe you know, Get Out counts or whatever. But like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? Like if you're making this mm-hmm. list, you would consider something like that. And same way, we're like, I don't think anyone making this list singularly would pick Blade Runner, I guess. Maybe, but I guess it made it on, so I don't know. But I agree with, I like Blade Runner. I just don't, I, I just, that's not the movie I would pick for that, you know? Yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre was on the 2012 list at like 170 something. Yeah. See, so you, you Racerhead is arguably a horror movie too. Uh, yeah. See, so it's still, it's this, it's just like, uh, if you're, again, if you're trying to make a, to- a total picture of 100 films that represent, you know, the, the entire medium, that one probably should go on there, I would say. Yeah. And I would put Alien over. Blade Runner, you know. Yeah. Uh, to bring it all the way back to slow cinema, a movie that I forgot to mention that is part of that tradition is Stalker. Have either of you guys mm-hmm. seen Stalker before? No. I, I've never seen it either, but I've I've heard I've, I've, it's very, it's 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 at the top of the like, I know I should watch this list. Yeah. Uh, as is the case with slow cinema movies, almost three hours long, and it is about uh, three guys in like an atomic wasteland who are who are, who are walking to a place and, mm-hmm. and they have lots of conversations on the way uh tough a tough movie uh, the guy that directs it uh, was a soviet director called andre andre tarkovsky i do like some of his movies uh, andre rubelev is on the list and i really like that it's like a proto historical epic from you know from like the Soviet Union, so it's like automatically interesting just how they approach things, as opposed to um, as opposed to like a Western audience. But yeah, Stalker, Stalker was tough. Solaris is also on one or both of these lists. Um, another Tarkovsky movie. Like he 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 only made like six or seven movies. Mirror made it to, on both lists. 
I, I watched Mirror like a year and a half ago, and I'll be goddamned if I don't remember hardly anything about it. <laughs> so, yeah, whatever. I like, yeah, Tarkovsky is difficult, and uh, Stalker is probably his most difficult. I wouldn't say I don't recommend it. Like, it, it, at a certain point, it does look cool as shit. Like, there are some wild shots in there, but uh, yeah, just like this is what I'm talking about with like challenging movies. So, challenging, as far as like critics are concerned, like challenging movies means you are really going to struggle to pay attention. How did this guy get so many movies in? There's a question. More more along the lines of like it. Uh, four movies in the list. Tar- Tarkovsky? Yeah. I mean, he's like a There's pretty a beloved world cinema figure, right? Like he's, I think his films are pretty like renowned as far as like world cinema. Like I, that makes sense. I, maybe not four, I don't know, but like. That's a crazy hit rate. Like yeah. yeah, I think I, I, think he... I was expecting to see him, but I, I'm I'm aware of who he is. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't seen any of his movies, and I, you know, Stalker's on also on my list of movies I should watch. I also have it on my list of I'm not probably going to watch it. <laughs> but yeah, I think he, like you said, I think he directed like five movies or something. You know, like yeah, eight, it would be the equivalent of like twenty Scorsese Scorsese movies. Yeah, that that's just how I was wondering. It was like. Every, like every other movie this dude made, got put onto this list. And the and like one of the ones that didn't is also really good. So <laughs> <laughs> it might have made like the two fifty list in uh, in twenty twelve. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, of, of all directors, why him? Like with with that crazy hit rate. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I haven't seen Solaris. Stock, yeah, Stalker is just so difficult. Andre Rublev justified, just justified. Like if you had to watch one movie of his, Andre Rublev, that one, that one is recognizable. I think the most to modern audiences. Uh, it is like slower, but it. I mean, it's it's a it's a medieval, like Russian epic, that uh, that anyone who's seen Braveheart would like see. That would, but they would recognize parts of it. Whereas like Stalker is the only movie like it that's ever been made. Uh, last thing. Uh, what are you guys' big blind spots as far as as far as like film canon is concerned in relation to these lists? JR, it sounds like you're gonna be working on it. That's yeah, your, I mean that's your next ten year project. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what how many movies do I have to watch? I could crank this out before July <laughs> if I really wanted to. Oof. I feel like Jean Dielman would really sap your energy for like yeah. a good two or three months. But what I do is just put that last. Be like, this is the last movie I gotta watch. Uh, I don't know. I I think my thing is I've seen a lot. Not I've seen a lot of these. I've seen stuff where it was like, okay, I'll finally watch M. You know what I mean? Like this has been showing up so many times. Like I'll finally watch this movie. So I, there's a, just a lot of stuff I haven't seen in that area the i have more in the director's list because it's more movies that are now yeah big but just like i i'm basically aware of 90 percent of these movies through some means whether it's like cineflix movie list or whatever or you know the movie lists that I do on that channel or any other thing i've seen them but it's most of these i've been purposely not watching sure say 
And I mean, like, a lot of these are like readily available. Yeah. Through, through various services. So like, that's... do I really want to get on? Do I really want to watch Killing a Sheep? You know what I mean? Like, there's a, a movie just came out that I want to watch. Do I want to watch Killing a Sheep over that movie? Yeah. And so... I mean, that one is at least short. So <laughs> it's got that going for it, Killer of Sheep. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, I've been watching a lot of movies and I think I've been more recent and readily readily more mainstream because a lot of what I like to do is just talk to random people about movies and you're not going to really do that when you're like, hey, did you watch yeah. this fucking movie about three people walking across Siberia? Like, what the <laughs> fuck? I mean, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> uh, Pierce, big blind spots? Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's like, it's most, it's a lot of the world cinema stuff, right? Like, I've, I've not seen... You know, obviously, you know, the foreign films less, right? Mm -hmm. But even on top of that, like, as I look at it, like, there's directors like Ozu or even, like, Fellini or Tarkovsky or whoever else where it's just, like, the kind of, like, breadth of their work is so large that it's, that it's like, a. have never do dove into just, like, one. I've never just sat down to watch just Tokyo Story, you know? It's, like, if I'm going to, if I'm going to watch Ozu, I want to watch it all. And, and so I've kind of put off some directors like that, Tarkovsky's like that, um, you know, some of the kind of more classic foreign directors. It's just it's just a matter of like, it's easier to pop on, you know, do the right thing than it is to like pop on like uh, eight and a half or whatever. So it's, you know, stuff like that, you know, certain directors, um, you know, Buster Keaton, like some of the classic stuff, it's just like, I've never, never really gotten into. Um, and then any of the foreign stuff I have seen is usually some of that was when I was taking film classes and like, you know, like 400 blows and stuff like that. Like I've seen, but never really like, that's not what I choose to watch, you know? Yeah. So, so stuff like that. Of that kind of stuff for me, it is like 400 blows is, is quite accessible. Mm -hmm. uh, that, the, that was also on my, on my film spotting short list. Uh, but like the God damn it, Kissel. Are you serious? A hundred percent. Yeah. It's in it's your top 10 list that you, that you made is like, is it in, is it on my like letterboxed favorite 50 movies? No, it's not. But like, is it one of the top 10 movies ever made? Yeah. I, I do kind of think so. It like, like founded a genre, like took okay. seriously, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's fair. But like Francois Truffaut, who directed that movie, like his counterpart is Godard, is like Jean Luc Godard, mm -hmm. who I've never I've never seen anything that he's made because it seems uh, difficult, and the definition of pretentious. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've seen any of his stuff, J.R. Pierce, but uh, nothing, nothing on my end. I like he he's been and he he like continued making movies like into the 21st century, but he did a lot of like experimenting with uh, 3D. And just like pure imagery, like visual essay kind of stuff, and just like you couldn't get you couldn't get further away from the kind of thing that I'm interested in. So he's he like catch up directors. He would be at like the the far end of difficulty. And then like my I've only seen one Ozu movie. I saw that at a repertory screening at the Midtown Art Cinema here in Atlanta. Uh, the movie was called Secret Sunshine, and I fell asleep, and I made a noise when I woke myself up. So that was <laughs> embarrassing. 
<laughs> that was embarrassing, and it didn't recommend me to Ozu in general. Uh, haven't seen Tokyo Story. That does seem that that is like consistently in the top ten of these mm-hmm. lists. Fellini, I feel like I would love, but I've never seen a Fellini movie. Like I love a mm. lot of modern Italian directors like uh, Paolo Sorrentino and Luca Guadagnino and uh, the Bike Bicycle Thieves. That is on my like all time letterboxed top fifty list, and probably and I think was also on my film spotting top ten list that I submitted. Uh, those aren't the same movies by any means. Like I don't think of uh, Fellini's being interested in like Italian poverty in the way that Bicycle Thieves is, but I feel like his style has has infected like every every like major modern director and especially Italian Italian directors. Uh, so I feel like if I I feel like I could definitely sit down and just like bang out ten of his movies, and I think like the 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 Criterion Collection has like released a box set of all of his stuff, mm-hmm. so maybe that's the next big purchase uh, during the next flash sale. But yeah, it's a good starting point at at a minimum. The listener is interested in like it's totally for, I, like I do the same thing that Jay like this last year has been a complete drop off as far as uh, watching movies at home. Like I've seen through this point of the year, I've probably seen more movies in theaters like released in 2022 than i have in most previous years but i don't i canceled my dvd netflix subscription and uh either (laughs) and either the sites that tell me when stuff is expiring on various streaming services have completely fallen off or stuff is not expiring as much as it used to because that like tends to drive what I watch at home. Like, is it leaving Netflix in the next week or two? Then I'm okay. I got to watch before it does. I'm just not watching movies at home as much as I previously was. So I, yeah, I, I'm in the same boat as Jr. Like, give me that, give me those new releases, even though this has been a pretty, uh, sub part for movies, uh, 2022. But yeah, I, maybe I need, I need like a kick in the pants to, to get that restarted. Yeah, I think, you know what should have been on here? Top Gun Maverick for bringing back cinema to the world. (laughs) I would honestly... To return to film spotting, they're doing like their year-end polls uh, for for listeners. And like the question is not what was the best movie of 2022. The question is, what is the movie of 2022? And I voted for Top Gun Maverick. Even though it's not going to make my like top twenty-five, but that's, that's crazy. What else could it be? It's, it's Wait, not you think? Make your no, no, no. I'm sorry. You think there? Are, you think there are twenty-five better movies than Top Gun Maverick that came that out this out. year? Yes, I do think that. 100%. That's crazy. Yeah, that that's legitimately <laughs> this, this movie. You're stuck shit, and and Top Gun Maverick ruled. To wrap up, like I I just posted a review <laughs> of that on the website, and I I couldn't I couldn't get past the sound of. Uh, defense contractor executives clinking their champagne glasses uh, while I was watching that movie. It was it. I couldn't get that thought out of my head, and it poisoned the whole experience. Fun as shit, like not, a good action movie, no question. But a as raw a piece of propaganda as has ever existed. That's fine. I still think twenty five. Like, there's not twenty five better movies. <laughs> That's just not true. <laughs> I agree. That was like 
I've seen this movie like I saw it. I saw it in theater, and then <laughs> I watched it on the way to Africa on a plane. Watched it on the way back, and watched like the ending dog fight. Sure. Like, at one point, and like multiple times, I've watched when he just like is kicking the shit out of all these all of the dudes they brought in, just like on YouTube. It's fucking great. It's just entertaining as fuck, and I'm. It's a joy to watch this movie. It's it's. I feel about it exactly how I felt about Fury Road. I'm Jr. I'm with you. Fuck John Dillman. Top Gun Maverick. Top of the list. <laughs> Yeah, John Dielman didn't make anywhere close to a billion dollars, so fuck that movie. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, great. Thank you, Tom Cruise, for saving the movies. Uh, I hope your mission, next Mission Impossible movie is uh, better and not as infested with, with American propaganda. Anyways, uh, that'll do us for this episode of the Munich Movie Club podcast. In the immediate future, we'll be discussing our latest trio of movies. Uh, we decided to talk about Guillermo del Toro, and uh, we picked his latest movie, uh, Pinocchio, currently available on Netflix. And we paired that with uh, Pan's Labyrinth and The Shape of Water, which it turns out goes pretty well with, um, with Pinocchio. Uh, we'll be talking about that very soon. In the meantime, uh, you can check us out on the internet at Club. Uh, for uh, all of those reviews and many, many more. Like I said, I just recently posted a review of Top Gun Maverick. Uh, I gave it a B, and I stand by that. Also posted a review of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, a movie that is uh, straight trash and a trend that I just can't stand. And uh, I'm always posting shit on there. Stay stay, stay posted. Uh, like us on Facebook at Munich Movie Club, Twitter at Munich Movie Club, and I'm going to have to change my outro here pretty shortly. Yikes. And uh, Instagram at mediocre, at mediocre Movie Club. Thank you for joining me tonight, guys. Yeah. All right. See, see you in 10 years. <laughs> yeah, have a good decade.